why do you love me so much? I was like, I'm going to continually treat you with love because Jesus lives in me. This is Camus. And this is Kylie. Welcome to God is Real, God is Good, a podcast where we collect stories about God working in people's lives through big, miraculous ways all the way down to small, everyday things. Hey, everyone. Sorry about the quality of this episode. We were having a bad internet connection that day, so it just didn't turn out all that great. But the story is still really great and really worth sharing. So we decided to post it anyway, and I think you all really enjoy it. It's Camus this week, and this week I have Lewis with me, and just kind of like to explain how I know Lewis and all of that. Um, so I went to CORE, so it was an evangelistic training school, and it was like nine months, and Lewis was one of the students there with me, and so obviously connection there, but as we got into learning how to do surveys and Bible work, we were Bible work partners, so we're good friends, and so yeah, thank you Lewis for coming. Um, so why don't you tell everybody where you grew up? Well, I was, I was born and raised in Newark, New Jersey. I grew up there. Um, it was uh, like a neighborhood, a very tough neighborhood. It's, mm-hmm. uh, in a city where there's a, gang, a lot of gang relations. You always had to belong in a certain gang to be able to survive. So I grew up around a neighborhood that um, it was really tough. Mm-hmm. All right. So how about you give us a little bit about your religious background growing up? Well, <clears throat> my religious background, I would say, is kind of sketchy in a way. <laughs> um, I, uh, as growing up, it got better afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, my mom um, was Catholic when I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, then after a few years uh, later, I would say about the age of five, she started visiting a Seventh-day Adventist church. And then uh, she was back. She went to a Pentecostal church. So it was kind of switching back and forth until she was convinced to stay in the Seventh-day Adventist church, and that's what I grew up in. All right, that's pretty awesome. All right, I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then we'll get into your story. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for Lewis and for his willingness to share his story with the rest of us. Please give him the words and to know what to share, and just help it to be a blessing for you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Alrighty, your story. All right, so... My story, I, I like to start always every time I start the testimony, I like to start about seven years back and then I go back to my childhood, then go forward. Okay. So about seven years ago, I almost died. And I was, um, for seven years before that, I was in drugs and alcohol that led me to that moment that I almost died. Mm-hmm. And I remember that day like it was yesterday, like it was even today. And I was, I was in my house. And I felt my heart beating slow. And I knew I was dying. Yeah. I knew that I was dying. And I said, this is my only chance. Um, I, I hated God for, I hated God for a very long time. And I was angry at him for what, he, um, you know, what I've been through in my life, you know. I had a tough yeah. childhood, but, you know. I've been. So at that moment, I had an awakening, awakening call that, if I don't shape up and make up with God, it's gonna it's gonna turn bad for me. So, you know, I would go to work for a few days, and I I still for somehow I felt like someone was carrying, like mm-hmm. giving me the opportunity to repent. And I could have died. I mean, I, 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 my heart was beating, wasn't beating fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, not fast, normal. And um, so then I noticed it that it, it, I got I kept getting weaker. Yeah. And then I came to the point that I said, it's now or never. 
Um, then I got on my knees and I asked God for forgiveness for my sins. And I said, you know, I don't know you that well. I hated you for a long time. I, met, I was mad and upset with you for everything I've been through. I want to ask you for forgiveness for what I've done. And um, hopefully um, we can make amends. And, and then I could, if you save me, I promise to serve you completely. Mm. And that's when he saved my life. And that comes back why it, <clears throat> now I would like to take it back why it came to that point. Okay. So as a child, um, my childhood was destroyed. Um, it was, I was, going, I went to physical, emotional, uh, mental abuse, of t- types of abuse. Uh, I grew up in a very broken home. Mm-hmm. As I said earlier, my mom was Catholic. Um, she, um, so being raised in a Catholic home was very difficult. It was a more, she was religious than Christian. Um, she went, she, ne- she didn't actually practice much, but she went to church and acted like she did. So kind of like having the name, but not really like the real faith, like a real heart change. Yeah, that is true. So my mom came from a broken home and I noticed it now, but going back to that, it was kind of difficult being raised up in that broken home because mm-hmm. my mom would, um, my mom would literally come from work and she would be upset. And the one that uh, was taken out of the anger was me. Mm. You know, I remember one day my my father said, who would you like to stay with, you or your mom? And he asked me and my other two sisters. Mm-hmm. My two sisters said my mom and I said my dad. The reason why I mentioned this part is because after that moment, I started paying the price. The price was hefty. Yeah, it was hefty. It was heavy. My mom was really angry at me for years because I chose my dad over her. You know, I'm a kid, you know, yeah. I'm like five, seven years old. And But then she got married um, to, a, to a gentleman. Um, that gentleman uh, physically, mentally, emotionally abused me as well. I went mm. through a, a bad abuse and it was terrible. Um, and I'm telling you that the abuse that I suffered, I don't uh, wish on anybody because it was really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times that I was being beaten so bad that I couldn't see the blood um, the, um, on my arms mm-hmm. and on my body. And so, you know, and they were going to church and yeah, and they were ba- and they were baptized and all that. And you know, that's when I started getting angry at God because I said, "How can you? How?" came two people that supposedly love God get baptized and we get baptized as a family in church start to um, uh, me I go through all these types of abuse nobody's there to help nobody's there to you know <clears throat> to save me and I question myself where is God there was there was moments when I questioned, who am I? Like, why? I, I always believed back, I always thought back then that I was born to suffer. Mm-hmm. And so time passed by. I, I got into gangs, like, real deep. Um, I was part of a gang um, with the Bloods, Chris, Latin Kings, you name it. I was always around them with them. Uh, with, uh, uh, um, and we was always doing things we shouldn't have done. I never really physically hurt anyone or killed anyone. I... I've done things I shouldn't have done, like sold drugs, um, you know, the gang life. 
and um, and do things like really ridiculous. I I I raced cars. I stolen cars. I I I've been I've done a lot of things um, that I regret. So that's the the type of upbringing that I had, and I was always the least favorite. Um, I was the one that was hated upon, mm-hmm. and but then I grew up out of it, and I started living. I was uh, in and out of homes from the age of fourteen, back home and back out in the streets, in and out of homes again. Um, mm-hmm. And I always learned how to survive. I guess that way. And as I grew up, I got baptized in the Seventh Day Adventist Church again, and it was still. Um, I thought I was ready and I wasn't and I went but this time I moved to Philadelphia so like when you first got baptized was that like true or was it just like something that you had to do no it was something more or less that I had to do I was 12 years old I had no choice and Mm. I I thought it was cool myself I was actually I wanted to do it and I thought hey everybody doing it we all thought about doing it as a family you know I thought Mm -hmm. dipping in the water was something cool like yeah they made it seem like you know when you're a kid is it, everybody's doing it and you want to do it yeah so exactly that's why i did it <laughs> <laughs> you're like it's just what you do you know yeah and so i thought it was cool but then um after i got about a uh, couple years later i got rebaptized, mm-hmm. and it took no longer because um i still my home was still broken Mm-hmm. Um, I went right back to the streets a couple of months later and, and it was a struggle because I really made that decision, heart, heartfelt decision at that moment. Mm-hmm. Right there, I knew that I was making the right decision. And, and then, but then something, some things happened that the enemy wanted to destroy me. And he seeks, like the Bible says, he seeks, uh, he seeks to destroy. And, um, from that moment on, I got into some heavy drugs, um, alcohol, Percocets. I mean, you name it, I did it. And I never um, did heroin. That praise God, I never did that. But I did other drugs that are that are very addictive. And mm-hmm. I always cried out to God, like ever since the next day after the drugs, um, the high went away. You know, you go down to this depression state before you go back to, up to normality, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in that depression state after the next day before um, going back to normal. Um, I always ask God, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Am I ever going to survive out of this? Am I going to die from this? Mm-hmm. Because I did what they called the rich man's high. And so therefore, um, I was in it for, locked for seven years. I mean, I, saw, I had plenty of, uh, plenty of overdoses. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember overdosing and, and all of a sudden, or my heart beating real fast and then it coming back to normal. And I was like, I always like myself, what is this? Like, I'm supposed to be dead right now. Yeah. But, you know, God had mercy on me, you know? And mm-hmm. I remember one day I, I was driving a, um, a, a delivery truck and I was really hardheaded and I, I didn't care about how the truck was i just wanted to drive i have remember i i told you i love cars i race cars I yeah cars. <laughs> so you get me behind the wheel of any car truck i'm with it and, and i'm working i'm making legit money let's go <laughs> so but the brakes weren't good mm-hmm. and 
Now, um, the reason why I'm saying this, because the same way God saved me with the overdoses, he saved me in this car as this truck as well. Mm-hmm. And I remember driving down and the brakes um, blew. Like that was it. There was no more brakes. And when I saw the truck was a big, a big um, box truck filled with soda, heavy. I'm going down this route, 22 West. And I remember that there's car dealers down there. And I'm like, no, I'm going to take my life away. I'm going to die today. I chose to die. And I said, because the image that came to my mind was a little girl with her father at a car dealer. And I was going to, and I was going to realize not purposely, but I was going to run into them possibly. And I didn't want that. Um. So yeah so then i ran into the i wanted to run into the railing and mm-hmm. the steer, steering wheel got real stiff mm-hmm. and and then when it did that i i couldn't get on the railing the guy that was my helper he i was the driver and the helper was crying but we mm-hmm. heard a sound a powerful wind like holding the truck as i was going 60 to 70 miles per hour holding the truck so tight so i won't hit that metal railing oh, and wow. he looked yeah, it was powerful. He looked, we heard the screeching sound in the wind. And when mm-hmm. he looked in the rear mirror, he, I don't know, he just happens to look and he doesn't see anything. He knew and we knew. Now, he wasn't a believer, but I was mm-hmm. slightly like kind of a believer because, you know, being raised in a Christian home. Yeah, you're like aware of these things. Yes, exactly. And then um, then when we passed the metal railing, the grass um, was, there was clear grass mm-hmm. and the steering wheel um, went loose. And, and started steering into the grass. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, I had no control of that truck. I'm telling you, Thomas, I was not driving that truck. It was an angel that took over the steering wheel as well. And when I went into the grass, um, I tried kind of, kind of controlled it a little bit. I guess I was controlling it then. And yeah. I didn't know what to do. And I was like, we're going to hit these trees. Mm-hmm. And the trees had huge trunks. But there, but the the tree itself was really skinny, and mm. there was three of them. As soon as we hit it, we I'm telling you, we were going 76, 70 miles per hour, and it, it it was like a dump, boom, like like a soft dump. I'm like, what? And all you see is something like a whiplash. The trees go back, because it, I guess it happened so fast. The trees go back and snap on the truck and held it like a powerful hand. Oh wow! Um, yeah, they had to take all the sodas out. To crush the soda, the the um the truck down to take it out, it totaled. It was completely totaled. Wow. Behind the trees, there was a stony cliff. Mm, wow. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just to give, give you a clear picture of how much grace God had in my life, even more more than that. But you know, just I wanted to mm-hmm. say that one because. That was the powerful, most powerful time. One of the most powerful times I ever seen God's hand in my life, and I, and you know, it always stood with me. Um, so, as as I got older, like I said, I got into the drugs, alcohol, almost died, and mm-hmm. and I remember God putting my daughter in my mind, and and my daughter would be crying in a class, like a vision, you know. Yeah. My, Daughter, um, my daughter in the classroom crying, where's daddy, where's daddy? And that kind of really touched my heart to really never go back to the drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was... That was uh, when you almost died. Yes, right. exactly. And so now I, um, we're fast forward and then 
And then after I gave myself to the Lord, six months, I had a daughter. I have a daughter. Not have, sorry. I have a daughter by, um, by the name of Ashley. Mm-hmm. She's 21. And Kayla, that's 17. Yeah. Um, I received Ashley's, um, I didn't see Ashley for 10 years, the mm-hmm. oldest. And being that I didn't see her for 10 years, that was, that really led me into more drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. and because I missed her so much. And, but then once I got baptized and all the drugs and alcohol left and the urge and the usage of it, six months later, uh, my daughter calls me. Mm-hmm. And said, hey, uh, says, hey, Louis, you know, she calling me Louis because she doesn't know me very well. And yeah. that's okay. And I said, yeah, what's up, Ashley? How you doing? I, and and then she says, I don't want to live with my mom no more. And I was like, would you like to come live with me? She said, uh, I don't know you. <laughs> I was be, like, being honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, you're coming up with me, coming to me with this. I'm your dad. I love you and I care for you. I mean. I could provide for you. And then she was like, but I'm scared. I don't know. So what we did was, um, I was like, okay, let's pray. So we prayed. And when we prayed, um, we asked the Holy Spirit to touch her mom's mind and heart so Mm -hmm. she could be convinced to let Ashley come with me if it's God's will. Two days later, now we're talking about a mother that said, I'll never see my daughter, about mm-hmm. a mother that said that I'll never have my daughter. Two days later, after that prayer, her mom calls me and says, I can have Ashley. Wow. So after all yeah. of that, like, you'll never have her. I don't want you to ever have her. She's just like, you can have her. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, two months. Wow. Two, um, two days later. It only took two days, Camus. Two days. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, so now here comes the trials. So here comes a broken young lady from a broken home as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she suffered physical, she suffered the same abuse I've suffered and mm-hmm. more. And when she came to the house, it was a struggle. It was tears, prayers that I, on my side, a lot of tears. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I wanted to do such a good job, but I was struggling because I've never been a father a real father to my child before. Mm-hmm. Um, and you came from a broken home, so you didn't exactly have good role models either. Yeah, exactly. So um, it, it came to the point that one day I, um, she cried to me. She says to me, Dad, can I? She was crying in church in the basement. Mm-hmm. And, she, and her best friend called me and says, Hey, Louis, your daughter's crying. So I was like, what? For real? So I went up to her. I'm, I'm like, man, this is a 15-year-old. But she was with me by 14, turning mm-hmm. to 15. But now she's 15, going to 16, and she's crying in the basement of the church. And I'm like, actually, um, I'm like, my mind, she's a grown girl, you know. What, something must have been really bad happened, you know. Ashley never cries, like, mm-hmm. um, ever. So this since I've had her. So then um, I asked her, why are you crying? And she says, Oh, Dad, I want to ask you a question. With tears like flowing, cameras out of her eyes like a lot, and mm-hmm. she she sounded like she was in so much pain. I'm like, you okay? She was like, No, I want to ask you a question. And I was like, Yeah, go ahead. Why do you love me so much? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, What do you mean? She was like, Well, you always call me dar- uh, darling. You always call me beauty. You always call me um, your baby, your big, uh, your big baby. Mm-hmm. And, and but you never like when you 
when you punish me, you still tell me you love me, you treat me nice, you act like it's nothing ever happened, and I want to know why. And I told her, well, you're in a safe place now. Mm. You're not getting physically abused anymore. You're not going through that mental calling, bad calling to you. I was like, I'm going to continually treat you with love because Jesus lives in me. Mm-hmm. That's like it broke the ice. She got um, baptized. She gave herself to the Lord. And not only did she get baptized, but her best friends, uh, three mm-hmm. of her best friends from church that were visiting got baptized together with her because of her testimony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like that realization that like someone does care and that like, there's a God that's like transforming her dad so like that he can love her in a way that like she's never been loved before. Yeah. yeah. You know what's crazy? Kind of that God never gave it to me when I was in the drugs and alcohol in the world. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until you... Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. It wasn't until you got clean and like you were in a good place with God that God's like, okay, Lewis, I'm going to give you her now. Yeah. Yep, exactly. I was I was in a good place with God, but you know it it doesn't end there. Uh, um, she came with D's and S, and mm-hmm. uh, when she when she came here, she said that her mom made her feel like she was dumb and this and this and that. Had her on medication when she didn't deserve to. Um, she didn't need to be on medication. Mm-hmm. And but then, like three years later, she did ten, being with me. Three years later. She did 10, uh, 11th and 12th grade in an Excel Academy and graduated with A's and B's. Aww. Yeah, That's so yeah, so it was incredible. Um, then the Lord started working in my life. Um, he started giving me GD. I, I got my GD. I got my license back. Because remember, I used to race cars. I used to steal cars. I used, mm-hmm. I used to do um, things with cars. <laughs> They're like, um, no, we're taking your license, and because of all the drugs and alcohol, you probably never finished high school. So it's like big steps for you. Yeah, there were big steps for me, you know. And the Lord just kept opening doors. I got married to a, a beautiful lady, and mm-hmm. you know, that's where I got stuck with God. Like mm-hmm. I really wanted to see God in person <laughs> and have a conversation with, because I'm like, dude. How is it that a man like me that is was like in the streets and drugs and alcohol and there's so many crazy stuff and gangs and different gangs relations mm-hmm. and I did a lot of criminal things. How is it that I meet my wife? Hmm. Now, my wife is a woman that's never drank, like never been an alcoholic never used any cigarette or drug she was never gang related she has no street knowledge she never stole the car (laughs) you're like she's the complete opposite of me yeah like i'm like what in the world like you would think like god would hook me up with somebody that basically be went through the same thing as me Mm -hmm. and and we were going to connect and so a lot of levels but here we go and I meet my wife. Mm. And I'm and at the time, this is part of my testimony because at the time, at the time I'm still broken. Mm-hmm. And although I gave myself to the Lord, I still was broken because you know when I came into 
um, being a baptized, becoming a Christian, I was by myself. Nobody was teaching me the Bible. Nobody was um, taking it. Um, there was a brother taking his time taking me to church, but I really had no connection with anybody because nobody was um, um, having the time at the moment to teach me more. So mm-hmm. I was basically reading the Bible 10 to 12 hours a day and basically um, just with the, um, because of my, I had a, like, a lot of shakingness, a lot of shaking in my body, tremors because of the past drugs and alcohol abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so therefore, I, I um, going fast forward two years ago, um, I was find out that I had Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. And I'm dealing with this brokenness. Now I'm dealing with Parkinson. Now I'm dealing, and I'm in a marriage that, you know, I'm 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 trusting on God that He's going to continually heal me. Mm-hmm. And then um, my wife leaves me. Mm-hmm. And so I would have left me too. That's the crazy part. <laughs> uh, I mean, I wasn't. I never beat her. I never cursed at her. I never hit her. I never screamed at her. Um, but I was broken, you know, I was, um, so here where it gets powerful because, um, D, um, gave me a book that's called How We Love. D for clarification is the director of CORE. Yes, he's the director of CORE. And he gave me this book and I was supposed to go to Michigan, but somehow, some way to be a Bible worker in Michigan, but somehow, some way. God led me back to Hamburg to D. Casper, the director of course, home. And he, I don't know, out of nowhere, he said, hey, you know what, Louis? Stay here as long as you need, you know, um, as the Lord permits. You know, of course, I knew it wasn't going to be a forever place, but yeah. it was somewhere where God can continue work on my brokenness. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know how deep it was. So I started reading the book, and it speaks about just real short um, how we are, imprinted with an attachment theory from the moment we are born Hmm. that means that we learn how to love with the person that raised us and we bring that into our marriage and we bring it into our friendships and so kind of like like, sorry to interject a thought um so kind of like how your parents um love you and show affection that's how you learn to show affection because that's how you grew up knowing affection right yeah Yes, exactly. So their brokenness is becomes my brokenness on top of my brokenness. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. So yeah, there. So there's five characters. Um, there's controller, vacillator, um, a victim, pleaser, and um, avoider. I'm a. I was. Con- I t- took the test, and I'm a. Va- I was a vacillator. So a vacillator. Did, okay, yeah, you're gonna explain it. Go ahead. Yeah. So vacillator is a person that when they're a child, remember that I explained to you about my, this is why the reason I mentioned about my father, because it comes into this. Mm-hmm. Um, when my father said um, that he, okay, choose me and your mo- mom, and I chose him. He told mm-hmm. me, get your stuff, and I'm going to meet you downstairs. We're going to go fishing, and then you're going to go live with me. When mm-hmm. I went downstairs, he left. Oh. And it was like a movie. He just drove away. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was devastated. It, and yeah. so a vacillator is a kid that's raised in a home where dad or mom says, I love you, and then walks away forever. Mm-hmm. And then 
um, or never to be seen again like my father. And yeah. or also they, a vassalor grows in a home with a mom or dad that says, come over here, give me a hug. I love you so much. Now get away. That's too much. Get away. I don't need you right now. You mm. know, that type of that type of love. So very broken. And so when I came into the marriage, I didn't notice that I was a vacillator and I was more in need of what I wanted in a marriage and, and not a, not, not saying not, that I wasn't caring for what she wanted. I did, but I wanted more for me than I wanted what she wanted for herself. Just like and, coming from that broken home, like you didn't know how to show love and affection because your parents had never really showed it to you in a healthy way. So you brought that into your marriage. Yes. So I thought I, I thought I was bringing a healthy environment. I was um, um, in a, uh, producing a healthy environment, um, mm-hmm. but I wasn't. And the thing, crazy part about it, that my wife also, I got her. We we started going, talking again after um, she left me, and then we started talking. I never gave up. Um, I've always been a fighter, even with the um, even two years when I was diagnosed with Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. I still fought, and I don't give up. And I thank God because I went to core um, and I made friends like Cammy's and I made friends like Ben and Jimmy. <laughs> you know, All the good people. people. Yeah. And, and the whole world got separated six people to be next to me. And I was like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nah, but, you know, core changed me a lot. It was the beginning of uh, my brokenness to be real to me. Mm-hmm. And, and then it led to that book. And now me and my wife are back together uh we're working through it and we're just letting we she's uh, she's she's more happier i'm more happier than we were before um and you know it's funny Clemens? i got her the mm. book too <laughs> we probably all need it huh <laughs> yeah i got her the book too and she's like i'm broken too <laughs> so she noticed that she has some things to work in but, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to go on her personal, you know, because yeah. that's for her. But, you know, I've just mentioned that because God is full, full, full of love, mm. of compassion. Yeah. And to finish with my testimony, um, even it's so great that he gave me a ministry that's called Operation Safe Haven. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you pretty much remember that, right? I do, but for the podcast, explain. <laughs> Yeah, so for the podcast, um, I was at a pastor's meeting in the beginning of this year, and they were saying that 70% of the youth have left church, and now 70% out of 20, out of 200-something churches, that is a lot. Yeah, quite a bit. And yeah, that's like a knockout blow. Like, we're about to get knocked out, but we're still alive because we got 30%. So yeah. I asked the Lord if there's anything his servant can do, Please put it in my heart. And Mm -hmm. he put it in my heart to start a ministry called Operation Safe Haven. Operation Safe Haven is a ministry that helps young people become, trains young people to become youth Bible workers. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm talking about the age of 13, all the way up to age of 30. I mean, young young people, young teenage, uh, young adults and adults. But I really focus more on, on teens. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember it started at Blue Mountain Academy in Hamburg, PA, where a course um, stationed that as well. 
And this happened, um, the core is nine months. I started doing this at the six month of core. Um, yeah, there was 40 students, 20 students, then it went up to 40 students in the classroom, but then it knocked down to 20 when the COVID-19 hit the virus. Yeah, it messed everything yeah. up. Yeah, so um, to God be the glory, mm -hmm. um, at least 20 of them graduated. Camus was one of the assistant teachers. Um, uh, who was Anna Benjamin? Um, yeah, yeah. And I, Anna Benjamin, yeah. And it was a great experience for all of us. You know, we enjoyed um, the, uh, what was presented, and Camus and Anna Benjamin did such a great job. And I wouldn't have done it without them. But now, um, you know, the thing is that after the on the COVID hit, we went on the online, mm -hmm. and twenty of them graduated in ceremony. Now I have a second class that this Saturday is already graduating. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So this one is not as many as twenty; it's seven. Um, um, five, five, five out of seven are graduating because two of them. Um, they had a busy schedule. They couldn't finish, but um, f at least five of them are graduating. And so now I'm just leaving it in the Lord's hands. And and to um, I used I even used how we love in the in the classroom in the class setting, <laughs> and they love it. So Man. yeah. So, so that's my testimony. My my goal is to my finishing goal is to make it to becoming a pastor. Mm -hmm. And my wife's. Um, study natural medicine to become a, uh, a holistic doctor. That's awesome. Now, thank you for sharing, Louis. I really love your story about like God's love and compassion in our lives. Like, despite what we've been through or all our brokenness, like He's always with us and He's always loving us. It's like your daughter. Like sometimes we just we're sitting there crying. We're like, God, why do you love us? Like, I know all the sins my past, and you see them. So like, why do you still love me? But yet. He still does. No, I think that's an amazing story. And <laughs> so you too. Um, Lewis is the type of person that as soon as he learns something, he immediately implements it in his teaching. So like the newest things fresh on his mind that are just blowing his mind, like he still has the clarity to grasp to like teach others like a couple days after he teaches them. And that's just, he learns himself. It's so cool. No, thank you for your story, Lewis. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, yeah. yeah, thank you. I'm just, I, I just want to say that whoever's listening, you know, we all deal with brokenness in our lives. And even though we're broken, there's beauty in our brokenness. And that beauty in our brokenness is God working through our brokenness to take us out of it. And exactly. it, 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 he loves us that much, you know, and it's just like Isaiah 26, 3, thou shalt keep them in perfect peace whose mind stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. As mm -hmm. long as we keep continually trusting in God, there's no there's no such thing of too much brokenness for God to not to love you. That's and so God true. will love you even in your deepest brokenness and take you out of it. Amen. Thank you, Lewis. That's, that's really beautiful. Alrighty. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in to this week's episode of God is Real, God is Good. See you next week. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to follow, share, like, and review. Also, you can contact us at our Facebook page. That is God is Real, God is Good podcast. 
or you can email us at God is real, God is good podcast at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.